Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. What? Hello, hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're talking today about doing things that scare you. Uh, which Brie isn't the best at. They no, scare me a lot. They scare you. Oh, we were just talking this morning about pole classes. Oh, no, yeah, no. that scares Brie. <laughs> that scares <laughs> I want to take pole classes because I think they'll be very, very awesome. But it's a scary thing. And especially like you were talking about the vestibular sense, too, with like swinging. And oh, yeah, yeah. I took an aerial yoga class a few years back. So much fun. But at the same time, like there was this part where you had like this bungee suit sort of on mm-hmm. and you had to do this run and launch. And just doing the run and launch maybe be like, oh, my God, I'm on the floor, I'm on the floor. No, no, no. Oh, my God. does not do well with heights. I I don't get scared with the physical stuff. I get scared with the social stuff. I like put off going to like parties or events or places where I don't feel like I'll fit in. And I know that about myself. And so I like try to push myself into it. Like I just went to this photo shoot. Like here in Phoenix, they have this great company. It's called FemForce Photo Shoots. And as a female entrepreneur, you just go and they take professional photos of you that you can use for your company. It's great. But you look at these photos being taken and all these women are like, they look perfect. And they're like, gorgeous and all made up and you just go there and you're like and this is how I picture it in my mind I'll go there no one will want to talk to me everyone will think I'm a total amateur and it'll just be a waste of my time but it's well, not that like is, that that's <laughs> definitely the fear talking for sure there it is totally the fear talking but I was also listening to a great podcast with Diane von Furstenberg this weekend and she said that many other women are concerned about how other people look at them but they don't realize that like that other woman in the room that you're thinking looks so gorgeous feels like the exact same way true true if you were to hear our inner dialogue there's a lot of stuff that we have going on that so each we, other have. <laughs> we hope you enjoy our interview with Sarah Dean. She's a mindset, business, and leadership coach. She's also the creator and host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast. And her biggest passion is helping women own their space. So here is more with Sarah Dean. If you love, and I mean love, the No Get Mom podcast, then you absolutely have to check out our very, very talented friend, Kara Harvey, and the host of Purpose Driven Mom Show podcast. Kara is a productivity coach for moms and mompreneurs, and she helps overwhelm moms develop systems and routines so that they can manage their time and take action on their goals. As a mom of three and a former school teacher, sound familiar, Joanne? Yeah. She knows <laughs> how important it is to have routines and systems in her home and wants to help you get there too. So check out her link to the Purpose Driven Mom Show in our show notes. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome, Sarah, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We we are so, so happy to have you here. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. So for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? 
Sure. So I am the host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast because I am a mom. (laughs) So, and I started the podcast five and a half years ago because I had this major identity crisis after becoming a mom. I thought that becoming a mom was going to be like my entire dream realized and I would become my best self and everything would just fall into place. And it was none of that. (laughs) It did not make me my best self. Um, And so it took me a few years to like figure out who am I as a mom and as a person outside of motherhood. And after that three-year identity crisis, I decided to start my own podcast to support other moms who are going through similar identity crises. Uh, And so here we are five and a half years later, and it's been so fun. I get to work with moms who are looking to figure out their own identity. And then I also work with a lot of moms who are business owners because I've been an entrepreneur for 18 years. And so I get to help moms build businesses as well, which is really fun. That is awesome. And having that identity crisis as a mom, I feel like that's something that so many of us have had when we had kids. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think it's so crazy that so many of us think that motherhood is going to be the end all be all of everything and all of our hopes and dreams are going to be realized. And then so many of us are like, okay, yeah, this is not like (laughs) rainbows and butterflies. Like I thought, right. It's not all snuggles. I was like, well, I thought it was all snuggles and naps and no, not so much. (laughs) How did you know, like that you were in an identity crisis? Like what were some of the signs that really told you that? Well, it was because of the mismatch of expectations and reality. It took us a few years to get pregnant, which was felt awful at the time, but ended up being this huge blessing because during that time I was able to set up my business to run pretty much all on its own so that I could be home with this baby that I had been waiting for working for. And so when I was ended up home with him finally, and I was home with this infant and not really having to work much to support my, at the time I owned a gym. And so I wasn't having to do much with that. And I woke up every day, like, what am I even doing? Like, if I'm only here to feed this child, which was a whole disaster in and of itself, because nursing was awful for me, but nursing is awful. <laughs> it is. It's the worst. It was like the worst experience of my I mean, worst experience of my life. I absolutely horrible experience with it, but oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I've had a similar, so I get that. Yeah, it was. And that, and that really added to like, this is supposed to be magical, this whole newborn experience. And this really sucks. Right. And what am I doing wrong? Because it looks so easy with other people. Like that's the rough part there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super disappointing. Um, and I had this realization that like every day I'd wake up feeling like, I don't know what we're doing today, except for me feeding this child. And that doesn't feel like enough. And I I thought I'd be really happy and content at home with a baby. And I just wasn't. And I realized that like, for me, work really fills me up. But then I was like, well, am I a bad mom? Because I really want to be working right now. (laughs) And I'd set up my whole life to not have to work during this season. And so after four months, we got a part-time nanny and I started working part-time again with my business. And that was really hard, but I like immediately knew when I got back into my work, I was like, Oh, I need to be working. And over the course of a couple of years, I ended up with my son in like full-time childcare, which I swore I would never do. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. So it was all these things I didn't, it was just, none of it met my expectations. And it was this constant reframe around what I really wanted and who I was becoming. And it took some time to figure that out. And so I think it was just that mismatch of like what I thought things would be versus what they were. And then 
trying to figure out what that meant. And that really took some time to synthesize. Oh yeah. You go into motherhood with like all of these expectations. Like I feel like I was along the same path as you where I expected nursing to be like this easy, natural quote unquote thing. Right. And like snuggly. snuggly. And every time my daughter latched, I had so much pain. I was literally like stomping my foot for letdown to happen. <laughs> And I can like feel exactly yeah. feel that pain right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrible. And like no one knew, like I went to like specialist lactation specialists and they're like, everything looks okay. And the whole process sent me into therapy where I got the best advice ever from my therapist. And she's like, your only job is to feed your child. Like it does not matter how you feed your child. You just feed yes. your child. And that's the day yes. I bought the cabbage leaves and stuffed them in the sports bra. And I'm like, we're done. <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's really important to have people like that in your life because yes. It, yes. the same thing too. Like I had some issues with mine too. And my first pregnancy did I, I had what you would call an eventful pregnancy. It did not work out mm. the way that we expected it to. But I luckily had a friend that, of mine that was a, a close confidant coworker. And she told me before I, when I was even pregnant with my first mm. of like, there are lots of smart, intelligent people that were formula fed. I was formula fed, right? I was, but then I was opposed to it for my, not, and I wasn't like totally opposed, but I was like, I need to try everything else first. Like, let me exhaust all possibility. Well, because that's what we send you. So, and I say we, because I worked in early childhood. So my background was, I was one of those hospital follow-up people that it was my job to come out and see families after they had a baby in the hospital that maybe was early or they needed some extra help. And we were told that we were supposed to push breastfeeding as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Breast is best. All of that best like, right yeah and I get that and it, and it is if you can right but I think that unfortunately too many of us are looking at that goal of breast is best and forgetting about the process and the mental anguish on the mom yes. if that doesn't work for them right. but I, I'm just picking one point I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's always helpful when you have that one person that's able to sit there and go yes this is what they say but realistically, this is what it actually mm-hmm. is like. It is okay. Because we were all the best parents before we had kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. We all knew exactly yeah. how we we're going to handle we're all, all this stuff. Best. 100%. Yeah. It's like, well, I know that you speak a lot about how a lot of moms fear growth. Mm-hmm. And being in this place where you feel like you have to do things a certain way, I think that sometimes prevents growing as a person yeah. and figuring out really what you want. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot AG1 tastes really good too and I enjoy my glass every single morning AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with AG1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy. So like what have you seen like really gets moms stuck in a place where they just they can't get over that hump to get to the next level? Yeah. So I think a lot of things. I mean, when we just talked about like this mismatch of expectations versus reality. I did a podcast episode about three reasons that women or moms fear growth a while ago. And so I'll tell you like the three reasons that I came up with and the three reasons that that resonate with me and I think with a lot of other moms, but First of all, I think that moms or anyone, often we don't have things modeled to us. And so if we haven't had something modeled, then we don't know quite how to do it. And so, for example, like for me, my parents both had like one job that they did for their entire career and then they retired. And so for me to become an entrepreneur was like very weird in my family, like my within my family, within my extended family, they were like, what's this like cute thing that you're doing? Like, it was just super strange. <laughs> but hobby. I could totally relate. <laughs> yes. Right. And like, how are you doing that? And how's that going to work out for the next 40 or so years? Like, what's the plan? So that was like the one piece is like things not being modeled. So then you're like, well, if I haven't seen anyone go before me, how do I even do this? So that's number one. Number two is not being connected. And so in motherhood, oh my goodness that struggle for me when I was in that place of not having my identity being so not there (laughs) was the struggle around that was really so much isolation. And not that I didn't have good friends because I did, but their kids were all like three years older. So they were like, Oh, just enjoy Uh the snuggles. And I was like, what? Like, we're not snuggling like this sucks. (laughs) And so being isolated in terms of feeling alone in a certain season or phase, or just feeling alone indefinitely, which I think women struggle with loneliness and isolation and don't talk about it. Um, And that's like scientifically proven and it compromises our quality of life. It compromises our mental health and it actually shortens our lifespan as well. And then we also, with that um, not being connected, we have a lack of belief. There's self-doubt and lack of belief around like if I don't have friends cheerleading for me or colleagues cheering for me or like a spouse that's supportive, then we're just spinning on our own. And that can be really scary. And then the third reason that I think that moms fear growth is that they're just not supported. And sometimes it's because you haven't asked for the support. Sometimes it's because people don't understand what you want to do. There's skeptics, there's doubters, we get stuck in comparison. And so we don't even tell people what we want to do to seek support because it feels too scary. And if you don't have cheerleaders, if you don't have people saying like, I believe in you and I know you can do it, then not to say, why would you bother? But I think a lot of times that's the self-talk that we have is like, well, no one's cheering for me. Like, why bother? No one's going to know if I go for it or not. It's safer to just not go for it. 
no one's standing up being like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do anything, go for it. And so we just start to talk ourselves out of taking steps forward into those scary places. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, cause I, I identify a lot with what you say and especially the whole, the lack of belief in yourself as a kid, were you ever told to like stand down and let other people take stage? Or were you ever like, did you, have you ever seen that message out there where like, as girls, you need to be less loud. You need to be like more subdued. You need to let other people talk. Have you seen that? And has that affected you at all? So yeah, I've seen that. And I would say my experience, I was not super vocal growing up about things, but I would have big opinions about things. And when I would share them, you know, with one individual, with a friend or with my mom or with whoever, and their response would be like, well, that's a little extreme. And so, you know, I mean, like an example of this and a very extreme and bold example of this is a post I did a year ago on social media about how all white people carry racism and are racist in one way or another, whether or not that's intentional. Like that's a very bold statement. A lot of people who love me dearly were like, well, I don't know. Like that's just a lot. (laughs) That's a lot to process. And my, I was like, no, like I can back this up and here's how I can back it up. But that was like this really extreme opinion. And so I've had opinions like that or of that level of extremeness um, over the course of my life. And there's like people who are skeptical around like, well, is it really that much or that extreme or that bad or that great or whatever? And so I think that It wasn't people saying like, sit down or let someone else have the stage as much as they were like, like you're a little too big, a little too extra is what I hear a lot. Yeah. Like that's a little too much. Like I see where you're going or I see where you're coming from, but like, is it that, you know? And so there was, there was that, and there continues to be that. And so that's where like, you have to check yourself to be like, no, like this is really who I am. This is what I stand for. Here's what I'm going to back it up. Some people are not going to agree. Some people are going to think it's too much. And so it's kind of coming to terms with that over the course of my lifetime. Yeah. Because also I've seen like women tend to downplay their wins. So it's like, even though you could take this very, very successful, like woman, it's usually a woman and she'll be like, Oh, like that's no big deal. That's no big deal. Because I think we, we really seek connection. And as a society, we've been told that if we're too much or if we're too extra, that like, we won't have that connection really with other people. Right. And right. Right. For those reasons, like I, I see that tying in with growth too, because then you become afraid yeah. of being the one who stands out and you don't go absolutely. after what you want. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what I found is, and the benefit of like going all in on who you are, and this is just who I am. Like I have big thoughts and big beliefs and I don't keep them super quiet. And the benefit of that is that over time you do connect with the right people and you attract the right people. And that is magical, but it is risky and you have to be okay with that risk. And to me, it's very much worth it because I would rather be in a place where I can be like fully me, which might be a little extra than be editing myself. Yeah. That's just, I'm not going to (laughs) edit. I just can't. I love that. So yeah, I was gonna say, I love that because then you're happy. You're You're you, you're not putting on that mask. Right. Exactly. Cause I I find you super inspiring. Cause I I've like, I've been following you for a while and I've seen a lot of those big statements and like, I have been inspired by you to create like sometimes big statements of myself. One that I made in January on social media 
that got a lot of backlash <laughs> and that it's super uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. But how did that feel? I'm curious, like, how did it feel on the back end? Even if it was uncomfortable and scary, I felt really powerful. I felt that I, right. I was able to see people's true intentions easier. Like nothing was being hidden now. Yeah. However, it also, it pushed a lot of people away and that, that yeah. hurt. And I don't think I've made a big statement like that since then mm. because of yeah. like, I'm such a people pleaser at heart. I just want to make everyone happy, which is right. such a detriment, but <laughs> still like, how do you deal with the backlash? How do you deal with that when you're trying to grow and you get that? That's such a good question. And every single word that you said, I was like thinking of instances in my in my own experiences that relate to exactly what you said of like people being turned off or people being pushed away or people like people's true colors coming out. And so sometimes when you make big statements, people's true colors come out and you're like, it's a little bit of a relief. You're like, Oh, now I know who this other person really is. So I can make a decision about this relationship based on that. And so, which can still be hard, but you're like, now it's clear. And I think when we've lived in such polarizing times in the last five years or so, sometimes that clarity is a gift to know like, wow, this is who you are and crap. Like, I don't know if I can be in a relationship with you anymore. And that can be really uncomfortable, but to have that level of clarity can be a gift rather than trying to dance around. Like, who are you? What do you think? Like, does this align with my values? Is this a relationship I want to invest in? Well, Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. I also think that yeah. there can be times where you want to be conscientious about like, well, I don't want to push everyone away. <laughs> like, I don't want to, what is the cost? What are the risks? Are they worth it? And what am I building? And sometimes, you know, if you're looking at, for example, if you're looking like at your family unit and your extended family unit, like you're like, well, I have to sit at Thanksgiving dinner with these people, like every Thanksgiving for the rest of my life. It might not be worth it to have this like huge blowout because it's, 
like whatever, I'm not going to convince uncle so-and-so from small town, Oklahoma to change his mind about whatever, like that's just not going to happen. So why bother? But like, for me, I do look at if I'm building community and especially building community of moms, what's become really clear to me is that if I'm going to have a safe community of moms where women can show up and be who they truly are, and they can show up with their families being who they truly are. And so what comes to mind with this is like, I have in my Momentum Mom, this is my membership community, and we have multiple moms in there who have children who are non-binary. And I have to make sure that that's a safe place for those moms. And that's my priority. So if I put up a post supporting LGBTQ plus rights and someone decides to unfollow me or someone decides to troll me or decides to hate Mm -hmm. me or whatever, cool, because I don't want them ever to be in my membership community and make my one of my members feel unsafe. And so for me, like being clear around what I stand for only helps me build a safer community for the people that want to go deeper with me. And so that's where I have to look at like, okay, like I'm going to get some hate on this, but it's ultimately totally worth it because of how it helps things shape down the road. I love that because what you just said is like, you're expressing your really strong beliefs to protect the people who are already in your inner circle. Totally. And just hearing that like makes me feel better about like that. That's exactly the reason I did it too, but I wasn't able to, to see that until you just said it. <laughs> like you felt it, but you couldn't articulate I felt it, it, but I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. Right. It takes a minute, like for sure. And this is, I think when we practice doing things with fear yeah. and getting uncomfortable, it that synthesis, it's not like you do the thing. And then the next day you're like, and now here's like how I can break it down and apply it. And like what it right. could be months yeah. or years where you're like, why did that work out that way? And how can I like learn and grow from that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Processing is not a quick no. Quick road well, by any unfortunately, no, and it's painful and there's a struggle and like, so, so the women who are hearing it right now, who may like have like this feeling inside them that they, they need to grow. They need to change in some way. They need to speak out. How, how do they get over that? How do they get over that fear? Small steps in small steps that are authentic to you. And so for me, like it's posted on social media. I'm an extrovert. Yeah. I'm known to have opinions. Like while it feels uncomfortable, that's not an, it doesn't feel unsafe to me. I understand that is not most people's starting point. <laughs> so I'm thinking of one of my members who she's been really working on using her voice in different ways and stepping into her power. And for her, what it's looked like is having like uncomfortable conversations one-on-one. And so one of the things that she's done, or she's done it a few times now, but it's like going for a walk with a girlfriend and saying like, Hey, there's this thing that I've heard you talk about. And I'm curious about why you think that, because here's what, how I feel. And I'm like, can we talk that out a little bit? That's a big move that feels scary, but it's on a scale that speaks to who she is and where she's at in her journey to have Mm -hmm. like that one conversation and just ask a question out of curiosity. And I always, my, one of my biggest recommendations is to lead with curiosity and compassion so that you don't come Mm -hmm. out and say like, Hey, like you said this thing and you're a jerk instead say, Hey, like you said this thing and I don't quite understand. Or I'm wondering if you could like expand upon that a little bit. So I think it can start with a smaller interaction and asking a follow-up question and then going from there. And you don't have to even get into the meat of it. Even if they, someone replies and they're like, well, I said that because I think this, and you're still like, oh, I totally don't agree with that. You can just walk, you can just be like, thank you so much for clarifying. I just was wondering, like, you don't even have to like go into like, the whole thing right there. You could, if you wanted to, but it can absolutely be baby steps because just asking that follow-up question can be really scary sometimes. So let Mm -hmm. yourself do like one little thing. And then someday you'll be posting the big things on Facebook. (laughs) 
<laughs> posting the big things. Yeah, I'm always I'm always a little envious of people who post the big things because I'm like, oh. but it's not. I, I was just talking yesterday with someone with uh, Tracy Baxley, who's releasing a book in this fall called Social Justice Parenting. Oh, and she was talking, which is, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. But she was talking about like what activism looks like. And she's like, parenting is activism. It doesn't need to be like these grand gestures on social media, it can be like a little conversation with your kid in the car. Mm -hmm. And so like, really, you can reel it in the stuff that we see online can make us feel so inadequate because we're like, Oh, but that I don't do that. I don't make these grand statements on social media. Well, that might just not be who you are. That might not be how you want to use social media. And that's completely fine. And those little conversations that are happening behind the scenes one-on-one have just as much impact because there's still huge ripples that can happen from that. That is awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. This has been an awesome, awesome interview. And um, what is one thing that's coming up for you right now that you're excited about? Oh my goodness. We are opening enrollment for my membership community at the end of July. So I'm super excited about that. And then my family is going to Cannon Beach in Oregon in a few weeks. And it's like one of my favorite places on earth. And so I'm like dying for that. That sounds amazing. Vacation is the best. Yes. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So I'm very excited. (laughs) I just got back. So I'm pretty well rested. I'm good. She's ready to take over for the week. I'm gone. So I'm good. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I have a wonderful vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So Sarah, one of her things was just using these small steps to get past fear, which is such such a good technique I feel I use. Like, do you ever, like, if you don't want to do something, you're like, okay, all I have to do is get up out of the bed and put on my contacts. And that's all I have to do right now. I I know that mindset. Yeah. But I am like the queen of self-doubt. So like, I I do try to motivate myself. I do much better when I have like accountability partners. Mm. So I definitely need somebody that I have to tell that I'm working on something to so that I can do it or, or the other thing that motivates me, and Sarah talked about this, like, if I know that I'm doing something that my kids know I'm scared of, mm. and I can model that to them, then that'll motivate me. That, you know what, that motivates me as well, because I often think about things that like scare my kids and what I see them getting really, really worried about. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have to go and I have to show my kids that this is okay. Like what I was talking about in the intro with the photo shoot thing and just like not not looking like you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big fear. And that's something that I see my daughter has as well. So I think when I'm getting ready to go to these, I'm like, okay, well, here you go. I'm having my outfits. And I also like vocalize to her and I'm like, you know what? I'm scared that no one's going to like me and everyone's going to think I'm a fake and a phony and calling it in. But everybody has those fears. We do. We do. Like, and it's funny about that, too. We talked in the intro about how I tried the aerial yoga. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is too much for me. It's killing my vestibular. But yet, like just over uh, fall break last year, we went on a trip up north and went to Flagstaff Extreme, mm-hmm. did some zip lining. Yeah. I was terrified, terrified. And had my son not been there, who is also afraid of heights, I would have totally copped out and not done it. Yeah. But he was there and he was scared. And I thought that if I went up there, it would help him. Mm-hmm. And when I just my legs were shaking, made it all the way up there, was terrified the whole time. Had fun for moments in between. Like, yeah, it's really weird how that works for me. But I, I had like <laughs> small moments of fun out sandwiched in between terror moments. But I did it. 
the only thing that drove me to do it, motivated me to do it was because of him. And that that's powerful. Like when you have kids, it's amazing what they can motivate you to I do. I know, right? It, it's like that superpower strength they talk about, that adrenaline. Yeah. But like, it's not for me physical adrenaline. It's mental adrenaline. Yeah, because you're <laughs> thinking about someone outside yourself. Right. And, and you're thinking about like you want them to have yeah. that that skill, that gift, that that drive, that ability to hop over the fear of the things that are debilitating to you. Yeah, like all through my 20s and 30s, like I couldn't, well, my 20s mostly, I couldn't lose weight. And it wasn't until my daughter was one where I looked at her and I'm like, I never want her to feel ashamed of her body. I want to be healthy right now. And that's when I got healthy. See? So it's amazing. That It's amazing the things that we do for our kids. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. We can do the scary <laughs> stuff. Yes. So uh, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.